Welcome to episode 76 of the Nutanix Community Podcast with Dwayne Lesnar and Angelo Luciani. Here we go. This week on the podcast, I chat with Sachin Cheda from our customer success team about being cloud smart, what it means, the concept of application attributes, the Nutanix Enterprise Cloud Index, and lifecycle management. There's a lot in this podcast, so with that, let's join the conversation. Happy to have one of my favorite guests back on the podcast, Sachin Cheda. Welcome. Well, thank you, Angela. Thanks for having me again. You are in a new role with Nutanix, focused on customer success. Can you give the folks uh, an idea of what you've been up to lately? Absolutely, Angelo. Um, so I'm now part of what is known as customer success. Um, my role is a customer advocate. So I work very closely with our customers, our sales teams, and uh, the rest of our customer success function. Uh, that includes our success managers, our services teams, residents, etc., and in this role, I'm helping touch uh, all aspects of our business in terms of helping customers successfully adopt Nutanix, uh, exploring ways they could get the most out of their environment, um, and also acting a, a kind of like a consultant um, with with them to to basically embrace uh, cloud technologies, etc. One of those is around uh, becoming more cloud smart, which is what I'd love to talk about today. Great. And I know last time we, we, we when we had you on the podcast, the topic was around application modernization and building a software and application strategy. And it looks like you've been busy. You, you and your co-authors have published a series of blogs on our corporate and community sites. And as a follow-up to the software and application strategy, uh, can you share a little more about that? Absolutely, yeah, Angelo. And I know you're part of that uh, co-author list with me on these blogs. Um, basically, it comes down to a couple of things, right? We've gone through this whole evolution uh, as an organization or as an industry to say that cloud is the way we want to proceed, right? And there's a lot of definitions of what cloud is, right? Is it is it a, a IT as a service, et cetera, on that front? And I don't want to necessarily go into that, but instead I want to present an alternate point of view, which is that customers of IT are really care about the applications, right? They care about what IT services are being delivered, and it's really up to IT to decide where is it best to run those and they can make that decision based on a series of attributes, right? And those attributes could be things like what is the actual function of the application? How is it packaged? What's the performance requirement? Um, what are some of the dependencies associated with that? And, and that has been a, a big challenge because what has happened is that, um, you know, IT shops have been basically told they have to embrace a cloud-first mandate which means that they're going through and struggling. Uh, they're struggling essentially to find out uh, how can they run their traditional applications or uh, in an environment that wasn't really designed for it. Or they're they're forced to modernize their applications even before the actual life cycle and the value has been extracted from the old one. And and that's part of what what I'm I've been working with our customers on is to help them understand and and and. Uh, embrace that cloud smart concept that that uh, that basically means that the application decides where it's run. 
Right. Let's talk about attributes and what are some of the major ones you've encountered and why do they even matter? Um, yeah, I, I quickly touched on this. Um, before I go into that, let me let me talk about the concept of of applications, right? In general, right? I mean, we when we talk about applications, we've essentially talked about uh, services that IT has delivered, right? And that could be something more functional, like uh, giving a business unit access to compute and storage. Or it could be something more full, uh, full stacked, like for example, delivering a time uh, time card application or time card service, where folks can basically log in and record their hours, etc. And and that is in a way the start of where the attributes definitions come into play. It's really focused on the actual application or service and the function it serves, right? And that's part of the first attribute that people. Um, look at and should consider in that standpoint. Uh, another part of this, and this is, again, an infrastructure-centric point of view. I know your listeners uh, range from infra folks to, like, application folks, et cetera. So I'm taking a infrastructure-centric point of view here. But it also includes the packaging associated with that, the requirements associated with that. And that means, like, uh, how these applications are deployed. Are they deployed as a virtual machine? As we all know, virtualization uh, represented the first wave of standardization, right? How applications and, and the data could be packaged. Uh, and uh, again, Kubernetes and containers represents that second wave or the next wave of standardization. So packaging, in a way, is another attribute to consider as a part of this. Um, also uh, worth considering are the dependencies associated with the uh the actual application and the integration points, um, including how data is integrated, right? Are there legacy data sources that need to be considered as part of that? Other attributes kind of going down the stack include performance and capacity. So, for example, um, is this an application that requires uh, a lot of uh, storage performance? And what is the storage performance, right? Is it random or is it sequential? Um, how much capacity does this need and how much of that is active. Um, so, for example, if it is a uh, an application that people are using for order entry, um, how much is that growing? What is the requirements, resources required associated with that? Um, it's also important to understand the elasticity associated with these applications in that same vein. Um, and I know you've talked about elasticity in the past uh, in past podcasts, um, but to me, if I were to interpret it in my words, it's basically the utilization of the application, including the ramp up and ramp down over time, right? So for example, a, a workload that is highly elastic is something that basically gets spun up, runs, and then spins down versus something that's more predictable is something that runs pretty much all the time and is used uh, fairly consistently, right? Uh, an example of an elastic workload could be like end of quarter reporting, right? Or uh, uh, an order entry system supporting, uh, you know, a holiday, right? Retailers go through this every every year where they need to spin up extra systems to handle the, the holiday traffic and such on that front. Although now um, the the need for, for uh, uh, retailers to support online ordering has become pretty much a consistently used workload given yeah. given where we are with COVID. Um, and then I would also say, you know, cost and budgets are other attributes to consider. And this includes like the upfront cost 
ongoing costs. And then, of course, security, right? Uh, regulatory requirements. You know, California has passed a bunch of laws on, on uh, privacy and customer privacy and uh, protection. Uh, we have GDPR. Um, other industries have certain requirements, etc. They all contribute to the application pool there. Gardner spoke about IT being a trillion dollar plus market. And I can see the point you made that the attributes should be used to decide where and how organizations spend hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars tied to their IT initiatives. You and I did an informal survey to get the Nutanix technical community's take on what are important factors or attributes for consideration. We found out that availability, performance, and security were the top attributes. It may seem surprising to our listeners to hear that cost didn't make it in the top three. We expected this because we were polling the technical community. I know considerations change depending on who you target, like those in finance or executives. Are there other studies done that report a different picture? Uh, yes, Angelo. There, there are quite a few studies out there, uh, both from Nutanix as well as from uh, third parties and including analysts like IDC, etc. Uh, but before we do that, let me quickly kind of bring some color to, to the survey we ran, right? So we ran this survey with our technical community. About three quarters of the respondents uh, were IT practitioners. And by the, when the time we published, I think we had 150 or so responses. Uh, uh, we kept it open for a little while longer, and now we are at 200 responses. And and in those updated results, we still show availability, performance, and security as those top attributes. But cost crept up, right? Cost was uh, right behind them. Uh, and another one emerged as well, which was basically the skill set needed associated with that application, right? And and understanding kind of the, the needs associated with that application. Um, so that was something I wanted to, to mention to, to the folks uh, listening. Um, in terms of the other studies, so first of all, Nutanix runs an annual study called the Nutanix Enterprise Cloud Index. This is essentially a double-blind study, which means that uh, we don't know who the respondents are, and the respondents don't know that this is a Nutanix study. It's actually conducted by Vance and Bourne. So we ran one in 2018, and then we ran one again in 2019, and it covers about 2,600 uh, uh, respondents, maybe a little bit more, 50 or so more than that. But uh, And they cover basically these respondents across the globe, across Americas, uh, Europe, Middle East, Africa, uh, Asia Pacific, etc. And in that study, um, they reported security and cost as the top factors driving um, the actual decision on where applications uh, were being run and what choices for cloud that they were, were embracing. Um, interestingly, there's one more factoid here that I want to mention. S about 61% of the respondents also talked about application mobility being a critical need for their applications. Uh, this basically was driven by the fact that a lot of these respondents also felt like they needed the ability to move applications around. And we talked a little bit about this, right, where, where there may be one or more choice for an application on where they want to run. So they, again, want the ability to move the application and the corresponding data around. And so this was an interesting factoid. Um, another study uh, that I want to reference is the IDC annual survey that they run on this front. Um, they do this every year. I don't, 
I know the 2020 report is out, but I haven't seen the data yet. Um, the 2019 data was definitely interesting and relevant. Um, you know, our, our friend Matt Eastwood talked about this in, uh, in uh, uh, an industry conference, and, uh, and uh, his peers also talked about it quite a bit. And basically there, they found that security, cost, and performance were the key factors, right? So it, it overlapped. Uh, in terms of the actual attributes, right? So the security attribute, the cost attribute, and the performance attribute uh, emerged as as decision makers for where applications were being run. Um, what was also interesting in this study was that they basically reported that uh, around 80% of the organizations that they surveyed talked about some repatriation of some of their workloads uh, from one cloud back to on-prem or, or a managed cloud. Right. So basically, customers that previously were running and say the public cloud were moving it back on prem. And, and this was, again, driven by the same attributes, right, whether it was a security attribute or cost attribute. Um, so an example, if I were to kind of interpret it, would be like they would have developed the application, say, in the cloud, but then decided to move it back on prem when it went into production, when things were more stable in terms of the usage and the predictability on that front. And I know there are quite a few other studies out there, and I'm sure that uh, folks will report back you know, that their favorite study as well. So I know we'll be more than happy to cover that and talk about that in the future. You talk about the similarities on where to place various functions in a manufacturing supply chain with respect to applications and workloads based on attributes. But you also brought up the point that every organization needs to decide whether they should run it themselves or outsource it. And we've talked about the article from the first Next magazine that outlines a strategy IT and business application owners can adopt to decide whether to outsource specific IT apps and services that are low on the business criticality scale. Can you expand a little more on that? Yeah, yeah. The article that I'm referring to here in, in the blogs and then uh, what we've talked about in the past is, is from the first issue of our next magazine. And it's by a, a gentleman named Neil Nicolaisen, who uh, is the CTO uh, at OC Tanner. Um, he is a prolific uh, writer and a strategist, and, and he's written not only for us on the Next Magazine, but also for the Columbia University Center of Technology Management and other, other organizations. And, and his article uh, in the Next Magazine, which I strongly recommend everyone check out, is, uh, is something that describes a model to help people align the purpose uh, uh, of, uh, of uh, decision make, uh, with the decision-making. So in this sense, it's basically aimed at uh, IT leaders, uh, whether they're on the technical side or the functional side, to essentially help them understand what is the criticality of an application and whether they should uh, um, own it, whether they should obsolete it, or they should outsource it. And, and that's, uh, that's something I would strongly recommend. Matter of fact, I do talk to a lot of customers about this, and, and I, I ask them to actually use this as a part of their decision-making process. Um, in a nutshell, it boils down to two points, right, uh, and that relate to the topic today. So the first thing is looking at the, the mission criticality of that workload, right? So think of this as one of the axes on a chart. 
And that mission criticality is a function of the, the application's function, the application's packaging, et cetera. And the other uh, axis, if we were to consider it from an axis perspective, is what is the, uh, the differentiation uh, resulted in by delivering this service, right? So, so the two axes, if we were to look at this from, a, from an evaluation perspective, the first one would be the mission criticality. The second one would be like the differentiation. Applications that are low on the criticality and the differentiation front, we should just have customers of ours just consider retiring them or outsourcing them because they don't add any value and they're essentially not critical, right? Uh, um, whereas uh, applications and workloads that are low on the criticality scale but still provide some differentiation, those are ones worth considering outsourcing, right? And that's where you would work with a, uh, a vendor like a, a system integrator like Capgemini or NTT uh, Limited, et cetera, where they would take on the application, right? A good example of this could be, for example, the automotive industry, um, you know, does rely quite heavily on the uh, uh, certain functions around, say, uh, supply chain management. It's a differentiator, but the criticality isn't there because it's in a way a commoditized function. So they would be more than happy to work with a system integrator to consider outsourcing that, right? To run it on their behalf. Um, whereas something that is high in criticality um, and low on differentiation, that's where they want to maintain parity, right? So this is again, a function where if it doesn't provide, if it doesn't work, uh, business is down, but at the same time, they want to make sure that it is delivering access, that's where they want to maintain parity, right? A good example of this are some of the end-user services, where if they don't have end-user computing services running, their, their employees are not productive. Um, but at the same time, there isn't much differentiation, right? It's a commoditized service. So that's where the parity piece comes into play. Now, places where that are applications that are both high on the differentiation and high on the criticality, those are the applications that people should invest in, right? This is where a lot of the digital transformation initiatives come into play, right? So for example, coming back to that whole automotive industry, right? This is where, um, you know, the whole advancement on telemetry data and making most of it or using uh, better ways to engage with their, their, uh, their customers um, through, uh, uh, the digital uh, marketing platforms and, and ongoing engagements as, as, a, as a function of the, um, the vehicle data and the telemetry data is high. So those are areas that they should be investing in, right? Now, the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up here um, in, in the blog series is because this also decides what applications are worth uh, keeping and investing what applications are worth outsourcing and what applications are worth retiring because by doing so you essentially clean house and then you can focus on applications that really matter on that front. And so my advice to your listeners would be to go back and revisit your application roadmap and ad adopt a similar strategy to what Neil's, uh, Neil talks about in his article, which is to evaluate the mission criticality and the differentiation, market differentiation uh, of the IT application or workload and, and decide what to do with it. Let's talk about strategy. And what would you recommend to someone looking at driving a disciplined approach to deciding where to run their applications and workloads? Um, that's a that's a great question, right? So I actually have written about this 
where I talk about two approaches. So the first approach is uh, really aimed at organizations that have a finite number of applications. And uh, the idea there is for them to understand the attributes associated with all the applications of IT services and essentially map that to the various different choices for infrastructure that they, they would essentially consider, right? Um, you know, Gartner essentially talks about this. There are analysts from other firms that talk about this uh, approach where they say this should be followed for every single application and workload, right, from the top down, right, and, and enforce it where you have more than one application, uh, application but you're essentially uh, understanding it and then deciding it on an application-by-application application basis. Now, there are going to be scenarios where there will be uh, multiple choices that are that are ideal for these applications, and that's where uh, the path of least pain or the path of least resistance comes into play. And and that is again the way you should proceed, right? To to look at the best option in that sense, right? Based on the attributes, based on budgets, based on all the different elements uh, within the organization. The other approach is a little bit more. Uh, 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 bottoms up, uh, where essentially you're dealing with a ton of legacy applications, and you also have a well-established set of teams that are working on infrastructure, cloud, etc. And in this scenario, what it uh, what you will see this scenario, by the way, in larger organizations. But in this scenario, you'll essentially see where the teams decide on creating a catalog of uh, IT services and cloud services ahead of time, and then more or less spending their time mapping out what the different attributes are. Um, matter of fact, we have published a blog that show this in a table form, right, where there are application uh, attributes uh, for public cloud, uh, private cloud that is running on-prem, private cloud that is managed, legacy infrastructure, et cetera, right? Now, this, this scenario is, again, as I mentioned earlier, more commonplace in larger organizations that have tons of applications and also well-established teams. Um, so here in this scenario, you're basically building out your catalog, exposing out your attributes associated with that catalog, and then giving the application owners a choice ahead of time versus doing this on a case-by-case basis um, from that perspective. And we will have uh, all the blogs linked into the show notes uh, for the podcast, so don't worry about missing out on any content. You'll be able to, re- to look it up on the um, show notes, so that's great. And I suspect a great deal, a chunk of your time these days are spent with customers, helping them understand the various infrastructure and cloud options. Can you walk us through a typical co- typical conversation you have with customers? Absolutely. So again, it comes back to, you know, first and foremost, understanding where is the customer in terms of their actual cloud journey, right? Are they comfortable with the terms? Do they know what are the different uh, uh, choices they have? So it starts with kind of that aspect of it, right? Talking about choices for where they would run it. Um, And this is also the same time where I I spend the time uh, explaining the different approaches, right? Whether you want to take an application approach where every option is on the table, uh, right? Or you take an approach where you you talk about building out your catalog and the attributes and then mapping your applications based on those attributes, right? And so this is where you'll see, you know, the, the younger companies, the smaller companies are more aligned with any application choices on the table 
versus more established organizations going down the the second path on that front. Right. Um, the 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 thing that I talk about after we kind of go through this is helping them build out a catalog. Right. So you look at you know, a, a set of applications that they have and building out a catalog where you look at essentially uh, understanding what the applications are, what the function is, where is it in its life cycle, doing this evaluation that we talked about around the criticality of the workload and the differentiation of this workload, uh, understanding who the sponsors are, who the users are, and then also mapping out all the different attributes. Um, it's important to do this um, ahead of time and to have a good handle going into the exercise because this also forces you know infrastructure teams and applications teams to talk to each other and to build a, essentially a common roadmap uh, and a catalog uh, across the board so they they understand what tools they they need to 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 look at what uh, choices they have and what choices they need to build out on that front. Um, and then we end uh, by actually doing a mapping exercise. And the term, you know, cloud smart, I talked about that earlier uh, in our discussion here, but that comes up usually at the tail end of these discussions because they realize that they have a lot of different options, right? Whether it's private cloud on-prem, private cloud with a managed service provider, a public cloud uh, offering, uh, a hybrid offering that spans uh, multiple different clouds, their legacy infrastructure, SaaS services, et cetera. And they're able to, again, make smart decisions on where to place these across these different cloud options. And that's where we essentially end up with. Um, now, these discussions typically... Uh, range, you know, so I've had conversations where we've had like an end-to-end -end discussion in a day and, and customers have walked away with like a plan that they would go out and then do it themselves. Uh, in some cases, we've just talked about like kind of the upfront piece, right, where they understand the choices, they understand the concept of a catalog and the attributes associated with those catalog items um, versus like going through the whole whole exercise. Great. I, I pulled a stat from the Nutanix 2019 Enterprise Cloud Index that I thought would be ideal to include here <clears throat> since we spoke about being cloud smart. And 85% selected hybrid cloud as their ideal operating model, and almost half cited hybrid cloud as the model meeting all their needs. Let's walk through an example of someone going through the process of deciding where they'd run their application. Yeah, I, I would... The, I would love to actually do that. Um, now, in, in this scenario, uh, again, we talked a lot about the attributes up front, right? So we talked about attributes like application function, packaging, requirements, data, dependencies, uh, performance, etc. So the idea is to first, again, quantify an application like an enterprise application, like a, say, let's say, you know, ERP, and find out what are the different uh, First of all, subsets of that application, how is it designed, um, what function is each one of them playing, right? Now, if you look at your, your three-tier uh, enterprise application or ERP application where you have a web tier, an application server tier, and a data tier, um, it's easy for them to then look at each of these tiers and figure out how they can actually um, you know, uh, divide it up, right? So, for example, does the web tier really have to stay on-prem with a customer? Can it be man put on a managed cloud uh, with a service provider or put even in the public cloud? That's definitely a possibility, right? And so understanding those attributes, understanding 
uh, attributes around the application server, right? Is it a stateful application server, stateless application server? Um, what's the scale? Uh, what's the elasticity requirement associated with that application server? Does it need to burst? Um, what's the uh, high availability strategy for that? And then again, deciding does that belong with a managed service provider or even on a public cloud service uh, versus on-prem? Most likely, you'll see that it will be with a managed provider or even in the public cloud on that front. And then the last one is the database tier, right? What kind of data is being stored? Is there a security requirement? Uh, is there a data sovereignty requirement associated with that, right? And for compliance purposes, et cetera. Um, what's the performance, right? Databases typically tend to be more predictable because of the uh, fact that databases are used not only from a transactional perspective, but also a lot of reporting happens there. So um, is it better suited to be run with a managed provider or uh, on-prem? but delivered as a service, right? And, and uh, this is, again, one of those scenarios where you build out a roadmap where you say, okay, this is going to be, you know, the short term, we're going to use our existing database setup, but then we eventually want to get to a better strategy around uh, delivering this as a service, database as a service, but delivering that on-prem because of the sovereignty requirements. And to support the functions like test and dev, we need the ability to clone a database in an elegant way. So again, we can pull the database as a service functionality to make copies and, and mask the critical data and then deploy that elsewhere, maybe in a service provider or a public cloud to do the development, but then when production comes to, to move it on-prem. Um, now, there, this is again a, a hyper-simplification of this exercise, and there's additional considerations around connectivity between the different clouds, the security, the access control, et cetera, on that front. But that should give you a gist of it, right? To, to look at an application, to break it down into various functions, to look at the attributes, and then decide is it where where does it lie and what is the roadmap associated with that and what are some of the supporting functions great and let's end with some guidance for listeners specifically what questions would someone ask when qualifying a hybrid cloud approach yeah um that's a great uh, great way to 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 end there um i would say it's it's important to understand um you know the different aspects of the, the actual clouds. First of all, the attributes that are satisfied by these various different options in the hybrid cloud, right? And then also, does it have the right set of tools to make it work, right? So for example, how does an application stack, you know, like the one we described, like the business critical app or the ERP application that we described, get provisioned across these various different clouds, right? Um, how does it get managed across the lifecycle? Tasks like upgrade, how are they handled? Um, if you have a need to to burst, how does bursting work? How does scaling work, right? Is is there a systemic way to scale it? So, for example, when we talk about Nutanix, one of the value uh, propositions for customers or one of the advantages for customers is the ability to elegantly scale without having to re-architect or, or rip and replace, right? So is that a part of the strategy when you're looking at a hybrid cloud option. Um, it's also important to have the right tools to understand the costs, right? So this is also part of that evaluation, right? We talked about uh, the IDC study where, where cost became an important factor uh, to consider when you're looking at where to place it. So is there a tool that gives you upfront access to what are the different costs for the different choices so that they could be used to optimize 
the deployment, right? Not, uh, not uh, without consideration, also the security aspects of it uh, coming into play on that front, right? Um, how do you ensure that the, the deployment is secure and compliant? So, so those are some of the areas that we we would uh, we would want to talk through before you're deciding on that front. But uh, I would also always add that it's very important to get the team skilled up, and it's important to also ask the question: Is your team ready and skilled up enough to operate these clouds? Right? Because it's important to not only consider the options, but it's also important to consider the operations side of it, right? And that's a big part of it. So how easy is it for IT to, to operate this, to ramp up on the tools and processes, and to essentially drive um, the actual deployment and the lifecycle in case things happen, right? Troubleshooting, et cetera. That's great, Sachin. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, I encourage folks, if they have any questions, to add them to the show notes, comments on our show notes. And also, if they want, if folks wanted to reach out to Sachin on Twitter, he's at StoreSC, uh, available all the time on Twitter, which is great. So thanks again, Sachin. Any, anything final you, you'd like to share with folks? Um, again, I, I know you're going to link to the blogs. I would strongly recommend, yeah, engage with us, talk to us. If you're interested in in learning more about kind of the the, the process, uh, to reach out to Angelo, to myself, to, to your Nutanix rep, and let us know. We'd be happy to talk some more. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check out the Nutanix online community at next.nutanix.com, where we have blogs and links to resources, including Nutanix user groups and Nutanix education information. If you haven't already, consider subscribing to the podcast on Apple, iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So with that, from your friends here at Nutanix, be safe and have a great week.